0: Welcome back to The In-Law's Podcast. I'm Brienne,
1: And I'm Sophia.
0: We're two law students who created this podcast to talk about law school, law talk, and everything in between. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The In-Law's Pod and our law school pages at Law and at Law.
1: For this week's episode, we're going to be chatting with our guest, Camelia, a part-time law student at a law school in Indiana her tiktok is at live laugh, law and we're going to talk to her about her experiences as someone with a full-time job and going to law school part-time in a night program so
2: welcome hi thank you for having me tonight i'm like so excited to be here <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to meet you both
1: yes we're excited to have you this is an episode we've been wanting to do for a while and it's something I get asked about super, super often. And I don't always have the answers because I'm not a part-time student. So I feel like I tag you in so much stuff where people are asking <laughs> me questions and I'm like, she knows. Yeah.
0: Not, not, it doesn't help to ask people questions when they don't have like the basis of knowledge to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not the person to ask about <laughs> a lot of things.
1: Like refer to the expert please.
0: Right. So the first question we ask all of our guests basically is why did you choose law school?
2: I honestly ended up in law school because of the pandemic is the best um, way to say that. In 2020 I graduated and I had a job lined up for 2020 2021 2022 etc that got rescinded because of covid it was like a an abroad job and I was gonna go like travel and have fun because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. My parents are teachers so I don't have like this robust network and a lot of friends I went to undergrad with were very wealthy and had access to employment. So I knew I just didn't want to deal with it. Eventually I would go back to grad school or whatever once I had my fun traveling and could figure it out. So the pandemic brought me back to Indianapolis where my parents lived at the time or Indiana. And, um, once I got back home, I started working and just trying to make money. I worked in the service industry bartending for like two years, and I started dating someone as well, and that was a pretty serious relationship. So I realized that I wanted to stay in the city that I was at, as well as my sister also lives in the state. So my sister was close by. So even though my parents had moved, um, basically this working as well as having a partner here and my sister being here, me realized I was like, okay, I'm going to be in the city for a while. It's probably time for me to go back to grad school. Um, what are my options? And that really quickly narrowed it down to law school. And additionally, at the time I was bartending, but I was also working as a research assistant for an immigrant justice nonprofit. And we did a ton of uh, surveillance and cybersecurity-ish um research and all the people and i love i loved that job so much that's the field i want to be in and all the people in that field were either lawyers or had doctorates so um yeah i did not want to go to law school in fact i worked for one summer in undergrad at a law firm and it was the worst experience i've ever had and made me never want to go to law school um, I was like working as an intern I wasn't even an intern I was working as a law clerk as like an 18 year old kid had no training had like 20 cases that I was managing working with clients like it was a really serious job and it was in immigration law so it was like tr- very high stakes and it was a really terrible experience and made me not want to go to law school and here I am <laughs> <laughs>
1: So in anyway. Yeah. So is that
0: still what you're looking to go into, immigration law or more along like the social justice movement, lawyering type spaces? Um, so once I
2: realized that I was gonna go to law school, that really clarified for me what I want to do I want to go into procurement law and procurement is the process that cities and municipalities um at least that I'm talking about it acquire uh, goods and services um because a lot of the research I was doing related to surveillance the root of it came down to what technologies were cities buying how were they able to buy really harmful surveillance technologies so easily because there's not really regulations in place. So my dream job would be working as a consultant for a variety of municipalities and telling them, you know, you're thinking about wanting to buy X, Y, Z piece of technology, say an automated license plate reader, maybe instead of buying that you should buy this, or here's why you shouldn't buy that. Um, So a little bit academic, I don't want to be in a firm billing hours. Um but my main is my main interest really does sit at the intersection between immigration law and surveillance technology.
0: That's so interesting. So in the city right next to to Chapel Hill, um, Durham, they recently put into place this technology called ShotSpotter.
2: Yeah, I did a lot of research on ShotSpotter in New York City. It's bad. Like
0: it's <laughs> not good.
2: And it's um, unsupported by accurate um, and effective findings. What ShotSpotter does, is it's a gunshot detection system that is alerts police whenever a gunshot goes off. However, the false positive rate is extremely high, like well over 50%. And um, things like fireworks, a car backfiring will alert this detection system. And it also sets this really uncomfortable precedent for having microphones over public streets and public spaces. Um, And it also encourages a real time instantaneous police reaction to an incident where there's no um, concurrent information about what the situation is other than this automated report that there is potentially a gunshot in a certain area um so yeah it's a super problematic technology <laughs> God.
0: yeah it's scary as shit like if you if you want to scare yourself um i would suggest looking into it
1: i don't know if i'm ready for that like rabbit hole of terror cuz i've been having way too many of those lately and I don't know if it's like my brain preparing for, like, my frontal lobe to be, like, completely done cooking. (laughs) I swear to God, I've been realizing way too much shit lately.
2: No, okay, I felt like as soon as my frontal lobe was fully developed, like, I really transformed. Like, I started having realizations. Like, you notice it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have you... Okay, so there's sort of, like,
1: an interesting overlap there with like data privacy and security like you talked about are you interested in like breach type of work or is that not in your in your interest area
2: um sort of um i would say i'm interested in breach as it per as it pertains to illegal data sharing not so much like these random hackers have everyone's data and are holding it hostage or like the hospital can't use their system until they pay millions of dollars to these random people. Mm -hmm. Um, but for instance, um, there's a lot of surveillance tech that is not really regulated on the local, let alone a state or federal level. So it's easy for these companies to gather data and, um, Usually the purpose of it is to get that data to police. But a lot of times what happens is the companies themselves will store data and share it with either other companies or share it with um, different agencies besides the local police who originally purchased the technology, such as ICE, um, DHS, um, even uh, like recently, this um, this is a more like direct example, but in New York city recently, there was a FOIA or it was either a FOIL or a FOIA request that was fulfilled with from emails between ice and the New York city police department where ice was specifically emailing um, the NYPD asking for, let us know what time you guys are going to release this person from custody so we can come pick them up which in New York city is illegal because it's a sanctuary city and there's not supposed to be sharing of information. So that's like not a specific piece of technology, but that's like that type of stuff, um, also falls into the category of work that I'm interested in.
1: That's super interesting. Yeah.
2: It's depressing too, though. Like there's a lot of burnout, I feel like in public interest and, and stuff like that. So We'll see. Also, I meant to say this earlier, but another reason that I ended up going to law school is because um, and I guess why I picked the school that I picked is because it was really cost effective and I didn't get a full ride scholarship, but um, I'm able to like pay as I go, which alleviates some of the burden of knowing I want to go into public interest. Which also gets to the issue of it's such a privilege to even be able to go into public interest in the first place. Like I don't know. I well sometimes I hate it here.
1: (laughs) It's so complicated. Yeah. I um, that a lot, especially for the people who are banking on that like 10 year forgiveness or however many Mm -hmm. year forgiveness where they live and stuff. And I'm like, what if something crazy happens in your life where you stop working or like you get sick or you, something changes and you're not working in it anymore. Like that has to be so scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: One of my classmates the other day was just talking to me about how she was like, yeah, I've already worked. She works for the state she was like, I've already worked for the state for four years. By the time I'm done, it'll be six years. I'm just going to keep working for four years and then get like the loan forgiveness. because it'll be 10 years. But yeah, it's like, what if something happens? Like, right. what do you do? It's also like, it just,
0: in my opinion, it shouldn't be 10 years. I think that they need to reduce it to five years because it's just like, especially in law, you're asking a bunch of people to forego a a big law salary a lot of the time for a job that pays a fifth of the price, fifth yeah. of the price tag, and saying, oh, well, it'll be worth it in 10 years. And these people are thinking, well, my friends that go into big law pay off their loans in three. Yeah. yeah.
1: So it's, it's a big just- ass. It's a big ask.
0: There was like speculation that when Biden just started his presidency that he was going to make the change because he was a public defender, right? Um, Interesting. Um, he He's done a lot good for public defense. Like I will say the amount of public defenders he's appointed to like critical judgeships has been like really great, better than any other president. Uh, a lot better than Obama but we don't like talking about that um (laughs) so I mean I I I still have hope I still have hope
1: yeah I don't know maybe it's just because of the way that I live my life or the way my brain works but I don't know how anybody could know what they're going to be doing in 10 years yeah I I just don't know how somebody could be deciding that for their life 10 years it's a really long time
2: it's so long there's also like there's people in my office like there's this guy who's been working there 38 years and is retiring in May and it's like a cartoon character like people just don't work that people don't stay in a job for 40 years anymore it's like god like I never could imagine that for myself (laughs) even for 10 years Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah
1: It's weird, too, because I think we, we were still a generation that was taught, like, you get out of school, you pick a job, that's your job. That's what you're doing. And I think it's super strange now to be out of that after having worked, going to be working in something completely different, and knowing that that's probably not what I'm going to do. I'm probably not going to be doing the same thing for the next 35 years. Let's talk about TikTok. Okay. Let's talk about why you made your TikTok
2: um i was so excited when i saw that this was one of the questions you were asking because it's actually because of you um like i'm like yes yes like when i finally realized i was gonna go to law school i started like just watching tiktok like um a law talk randomly came up on my page and then i got obsessed and then i like found your page and there was another creator's page i found uh then i like created my account and i was like okay i need to learn for a while so i like waited like a couple months before i started posting stuff and then like the summer before school i started posting but um yeah honestly watching your videos i was like i have learned everything i know about law school from sophia like i want other people to learn about law school cuz i I'm a, i don't have my parents aren't lawyers like i'm a first generation law student and i literally didn't know how ignorant I was about law school until I found Law Talk. I was like, oh shit. Like, I do not know what I'm getting myself into. And I don't want someone else to have to go through that. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's eye-opening. Yeah.
2: Like, we all, it's so similar. They're all, it's all the same, basically. Like, you all take this, we all take the same classes. There's no reason that someone should go in not knowing what to expect. That's just wrong.
0: But the wild part is like, I think after 1L, I was like, oh, I've definitely learned everything now. Mm-hmm. And it's like the amount I knew 1L at the end of 1L versus now is laughable. It's, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I wish like even with all of the resources you could possibly give to someone you just learn so much shit that's like not spoken about
2: yes yeah and like I really liked and as I you know started using TikTok more I liked how like both of you would talk about what you know like what you do when you get off of class what your class is like what cold calling is like Just, like, stuff that, like, I didn't even know what cold calling was. Like, that was not the vibe of my undergrad at all. Like, so I had no idea what some of these phrases meant. Like, Quimby learned about that from you guys. So it was, I was just like, wow. No one should ever, like, for real. Like, no one should ever have to not know. Yeah.
1: Okay, going into, like, specifically content wise what mm-hmm. you post know. So you post a lot of like day in the life where you specifically say like full-time worker part-time student and you do like your running vlogs and other things um and you talk about like the ratings in school so what kind of motivated you to do a lot of the day in the lives because you've been doing those a lot recently and I'm like yeah. okay Wednesday <laughs> what are <you> doing?
2: <laughs> um, so I, it like took me a while to find like kind of what my niche was going to be on TikTok. Like it started off, I was doing like some beauty and like outfits and stuff. And I think I'm going to start doing outfits again now that it's light in the morning, <laughs> but, um, I really, and I'll start with my running. Cause that's an easier answer for me. Like I have been, I just started running four years ago. I played soccer in college and had a really toxic coach who, um, honestly made me feel like I was not a good athlete. And then when I discovered running that I actually liked running and started training for races, I really liked the independence of it. And, you know, like, this is cheesy a little bit, but like, no one can tell you you're bad at running. Like you can't, it's not possible to be bad at running. So I loved that about it. And then it started off as a bit of an accountability piece for me. Like, okay, I'm going to post every Sunday to make sure like I actually go on my run for that week. And then it turned into more of like, you can do stuff besides study on the weekends. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the day in the life vlogs, I like, I, there was, I was just like struggled to think of what I wanted to post. Like Sometimes I'll think of something funny and I'll be like, oh, I'm going to post this. But then other times, like, I don't really like recording videos of myself, like, just talking. So I found that it was easier for me to, like, share information when I was doing, like, clips of what I was doing throughout the day. Um, And then I just started posting more of those as I, like, as I started realizing that. Has
1: it become more, t- more routine? Because I feel like I'll do and then the next time I'll go to do it, I'll just like forget and there'll be just like a big gap. So then I never post it because I stopped filming. Yeah. Yes.
2: It's such a routine, honestly, because I go like first semester, I did not have a good routine. I worked from home random days. I wasn't going to the gym consistently. Like I was just trying to make my schedule work. I it was just weird. I was going into office way too early and I wasn't able to get my workouts in. I was trying to work out too early. So I just like, and then second semester, I started off the semester, like this is my schedule and it's made such a big difference. And it's hard too, when you don't know what to expect to start a semester saying, this is going to be my schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, But TikTok totally is just like making content is just like integrated into my routine now. Like there's certain days I'm just like okay I'm gonna make some videos today
1: I don't know I feel like on TikTok there's not a lot of part-time students or people who are as vocal about being a part-time student as you have you found like a community of part-time students have you seen other part-time students I feel like I I don't get very many
2: yeah um I really don't like there's, I know that Legal Miha started off part time and then became full time. But other than that, I do not know of any other part time creators who are um, in law school. But I have had people like DM me or reach out to me asking questions about it. Like there was actually someone who's applying to the school I'm at now who I like Zoomed with a couple weeks ago who was asking questions about the night program at my school. So I like, that made me super happy to be able to like have someone reach out like that i was like yes that is why i made this page that's always yes. the best. i love it yeah
1: so. i think that's one of like the most rewarding things about having the page like yeah. especially on instagram because it's, it's a lot more accessible to message people whereas on tiktok it's like i think you can only message people if you're friends or i don't really know how the messaging works right. on tiktok but i don't like it yeah. <laughs> and i feel like it's so much easier like to connect with people and get that like one-on-one perspective because sometimes when you make videos it's like talking into the you're talking into the void depending on how the TikTok algorithm feels about you that day (laughs) I you are sharing a video that you think is really important or like and maybe it's something that people haven't talked about in a while because I feel like there's the content of law talk is very cyclical like now, my second year like The Weddell's come in talking about the same stuff. I came in talking about the same stuff. Now that I'm a I see people come in talking about the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it just has like these resurgences. But it's so annoying when you think you're like talking about something new or something really important. And Tuck Tuck is like, no.
2: No. Three views. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I really like your Instagram page. So if, like how much interaction you have on it, like the Q and A's and stuff. Um, and yeah, you're right. You just can't get that from TikTok.
0: So you're working full time, right? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing for work?
2: So I work in adult education and I have worked in adult ed actually since 2020, So my two years when I was, um, basically working, like I literally was like bartending like four nights a week, working part-time in adult ed. And then for most of that also doing research. So I was just like in a hustle era, like didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, I worked at a local adult education program. And for those of you that don't know adult ed Provides high school equivalency services such as GED testing, English classes for adults, and then career training. Um, Like you could get your clinical medical assisting license through an adult ed program for free. And I was working in a local program that provided those services. And now I work on the state level and oversee the administration side. Um, So we fund local programs, we provide guidance for local programs. And I do marketing and outreach. So my job is actually really fun. And my boss is like way too busy to supervise me. So I really just like forge my own path. <laughs>
1: um,
2: and so like, I'll do like, I hosted a webinar before our state bans TikTok. I hosted a webinar on how programs could use TikTok. Like I will meet with programs and talk to them about how they can use their Facebook page better to recruit students. Um, I'm actually leaving tomorrow morning to go to our national conference in Atlanta for I think four days um so it's a really it's a really good job and it has a a very good work-life balance so I can work from home two days a week which I would highly recommend to any part-time or potential part-time law students listening to this I would highly recommend finding a job that allows you to work from home because honestly I do not know if I would be as happy if I did, was not able to work from home two days a week I I know I wouldn't be as happy <laughs> yeah
1: that flexibility is really awesome
2: yeah. yeah and my bosses uh I mean I'll just I saw this was one of the questions so I'll just talk about how my work responded when I s- applied to law school so um When I applied to law school before I started my current job, I started this job in June of 2022, and I had already been accepted to law school. So I actually accepted the position and everyone on my team knew that I was going to be starting school in the fall. And since I work in education, everyone is very supportive of like the continuing education and my workplace offers a like five thousand dollar a year tuition reimbursement, um, so that's another thing to consider if you're working. Like, places will pay for your education, and yeah, like during finals week, all and like the week before finals, I'll usually work from home the full week, and you know, like study half the day. To be honest, my boss will never hear this, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: getting the same amount of work done in half the time that's
2: that's efficiency exactly and it's really interesting because so I'm a state employee and there's several other state employees who are also in the night program at my school with me there's probably like 10 of us in our current cohort so it's and it's all like in a central location too so it's very our offices are very close to the law school um so that's yeah
1: yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier, I think before we started a recording, but your class is about 150 full-time mm-hmm. students, 50 nighttime students. Is there any like n- crossover between the 150 and the 50 or are the night students just night students and the full-time students like have a strictly day schedule?
2: Okay. Um. So for the one there's pretty much no overlap. The way I'm sure other schools might be structured differently, but the way that my part-time program is scheduled for us is that the day students are, I'll start with the day students, they're split into two sections and they have all the required one hour classes done by the first year. For the night students, we only have one section since there's only 50 of us and we meet five nights a week for two to three hours every night for the first full year so monday through friday 5:30 to 7:30 or 5:30 to 9 depending on what classes and then over the summer we're required to take 3 credits um just the first summer and so that's crim law is criminal law is what we're we're required to take this summer and then in the fall we finish our 1L classes so in the fall i will take property and constitutional law however after I finish this semester, I can actually choose courses. So some of my classmates are taking additional courses in the summer and many of us are taking additional courses in the fall. So between property and constitutional law, which are the fall requirements, that's eight credits, but I'm gonna add like probably at least four more credits to take a 12 credit load around that size. And many of my classmates are doing the same thing. Um, so once you get beyond that first year, you have, at my school anyways, flexibility with what classes you take, and that allows some people to accelerate their graduation, the traditional part-time trajectory is four years, but there's people who like, will get it done in three years, there's people who will get it done in three and a half and after, like, again, after the first year, that's where the crossover with day students will happen, where day students will start taking some of the night classes and vice versa.
0: So the students in your part-time cohort, are they, like, all working full-time? Or do some of them have kind of adjusted work um, There,
2: There are probably, like, people who don't have jobs currently and I think and there's a few people who just have like part-time jobs but pretty much everyone has a full-time job a lot of people work in law firms like I said earlier a lot of people work in state government Um, some people have like random tech work from home jobs Um, one woman in my class is a chemist there's an anesthesiologist anesthesia. Anesthesi- i can't even say it the no, doctor that, that gets drugs there's a literal medical doctor who is in my night program he goes to the hospital during the day and comes to law school at night like is he a doctor a- doctor.
1: <laughs> doctor doctor <laughs>
2: doctor doctor <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: that's okay this sounds like physically painful to me the schedule (laughs) um because i know i know how how much the law school puts you through like absolute hell Mm -hmm. and i've worked part-time while in law school some semesters i did it during my 2l year can't say i had the bestest time um so
2: like how do you find that balance Um, I'll say the first part is having the ability to work from home that I just can't emphasize that enough. But the second part is um, I do not believe with my full heart that the courses have at my school have as much of rigor as other 1L programs. Like to give you an example, on average, I probably read maybe 120 pages a week like total like that's not very much for a 1l -hmm. course load um and that that is very nice um (laughs) so that's part of it another part that I really like about law school is that we don't have a ton of assignments so um I try to have a pretty consistent study schedule in that like, I don't procrastinate outlining. Like I am very much, I outline for every class every week. And then when it gets to finals, it's not like I'm drowning, trying to relearn all the material. So that's part of it. And then during finals, when it really does get intense, like I said earlier, I'll work from home pretty much the full week or I'll take um, like a sick day or a personal day off work. And a lot of my classmates will do that too. And it, it just kind of is what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just for context, so if you can try to give yours as well, but I would say my one all year, I was typically reading on a light week, 250 pages on a heavy week, 300 pages per week. Yeah.
1: I feel like I mean, based on what I've seen from other people's like page amounts, I think my school is a little bit on the lighter side, okay. but it heavily depends on your professor. Yeah. I, think I, got, I think I got lucky. <laughs> my 1L and I didn't have any of the like heavily assigning professors. Um, and I think a light week was probably like 200 pages. Oh, and well, okay. Probably like 250.
2: Okay. Definitely. Yeah, and I will say, like, the two, so we had four classes that were all year, um, and that was contracts, civil procedure, legal communications and analysis, which is our legal writing class, and then legal research, and our contracts and civil procedure professor has been teaching night students for well over a decade, both of them. And so they really, and they really care about their students and they're really excellent professors. And I think they really intentionally do not give us an unreasonable amount to read in a week. Like they they really do understand like what we're dealing with. So um, I think I would imagine other part-time programs have similar expectations from their faculty.
0: But yeah. you still, um, you're still like
2: getting cold called, and all of that. Um, honestly, our professors, my professors, don't really cold call. Like oh, our okay. so okay. procedure, our summer procedure professor does, but you only get cold called once a semester. So if you've already been cold called, like you're good. Um. Okay. and since there's 50 of us and now civil procedure only meets once a week like i got called on the very first day of class and so i've been (laughs) (laughs) i have not been reading every civ pro assignment i can say that
1: (laughs) (laughs) so are you taking torts this semester then
2: yes and um honestly torts is kind of funny like our professor is a visiting professor and like really does not know what's going on at <laughs> the school, but mm-hmm. he our school has like a pretty good health law program, and that's what brought him to the school for the semester. So his style of teaching and the way he has his class structured is a, not in line really with how our other professors teach. Um, but it's still a good class. Um, yeah, it's just it's different. That's the class I have the most reading for.
0: I love torts. Unpopular opinion. I think torts is the best subject you take. I don't away. love torts.
1: So, well, as a night student, are like um, office hours affected by it? Like, do you have a chance to go to office hours? What's that kind of like?
2: Um, since our professors, um, I think one of our professors has a day class. But our professors really primarily teach night students. So they're very accommodating of when they'll att- of when we can go to office hours. And really, it's pretty much exclusively by appointment um, at my school. And you can just email them and say, hey, like, can I drop into your office? Or, hey, can we Zoom? And I've never had a professor say no. Um, yeah. I like our civil procedure professor is amazing. And during like finals, she's like, this is my cell phone number. Text me at any time before midnight and I'll respond. You can call me too. Like she's, she's awesome. And I've been to her office hours probably the most.
0: I love professors that you can text. Yeah. It's a different level of convenience to just be able to text a professor. I know. one
1: yeah. of mine he hates when you email him cuz he's like i still work in a firm i get so many emails a day literally just call me just call me i'll pick up i'll answer and it's true he will pick up he will answer he will explain everything to you but mm. if you email him it'll take so long to get a yeah. like um last semester when i freaking had covid i emailed him because i didn't have a voice like i could not speak And I emailed him, and I was like, hey, like, I have COVID. Like, that's why I missed class, blah, 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 whatever. And I had sent him an email beforehand just saying, like, I'm sick. I probably won't be able to be there. And it took him until the day I came back to school for him to respond and say, be safe. I'm sorry. And I was like, that was last week.
0: (laughs) Yep. Sounds right. That's how my mentor was in class. And then I had another professor. My favorite professor, Gene Nickel. He's just too old to understand how to work email, so you have to call him. You have to call him.
2: His landline.
0: He has a them.
2: Oh no. <laughs> uh, okay. I believe that people who do not know how to use email should probably experience forced retirement.
0: Not Gene Nickel.
2: Gene Nickel is the best person. I don't know, like, one of my friends works in a firm and the partner makes her print out all his emails. Like, come on.
0: Gene is- Gene yes. us an email if, like, he really needs to.
2: Okay, okay. It
0: will yeah, not have a subject line. <laughs> and it will likely just, like, no greeting no anything just like what he would like to say and then gn at the end It's kind um, of endearing it's it's really cute he's a he's a really great guy um and like also like an icon and you know had public beef with Scalia so like he's he's very nice <laughs> he's a great professor <laughs> I, I feel
1: like this is the most times we've talked about Scalia in an episode um,
2: I
0: know <laughs> <laughs> some of it will get cut we cannot get out. It.
1: um I guess maybe we kind of talked about this in our random like Q&A video that we made while we were in Boston but one of the questions was actually about part-time programs and I tagged you in the in the comments but they were asking about it and that's when I found out that UNC doesn't have a part-time program
0: yeah UNC does not have a part-time program I think maybe maybe if you were like I need to take a leave of absence and they were like would you be interested in doing part-time like you could do that however there's no like part-time cohort okay well
1: my school does have a part-time program it's moderately flexible um and technically you are not part of any specific cohort you just pick your classes based on time so the 1l classes are pretty spread out morning and afternoon so you can choose just morning classes or you can choose just afternoon classes but it means you're mixed up between the 1l sections. so when i was a 1l we had three sections the 1l year before me there were four so you would pick either morning classes or afternoon classes, or I guess if you had the flexibility, you could choose a combination. Most people do not do that though. Right. They usually pick morning or afternoon. And then they do all, um, they do two doctrinal classes and writing, I believe. And then like not a third or maybe one doctoral in writing. Oh, they always take the writing though. And then okay. when they come back the next year, then they do the other doctrinals and then they get to pick other classes. And my school has a decent amount of classes in the evening, like honestly quite a few or like the late afternoon. So then they can just like choose based True. on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also like a decent amount of flexibility in if you come in as a part-time student, you can easily switch to full-time Or if you are full-time, you can switch to part-time and then it just extends your program. We used to have like a pretty good night program, but they got rid of it quite a few years back. I don't know why. I don't know what the motivation was. Maybe it just wasn't like as lucrative, Um, but we have like a a good handful of part-time students.
2: It's pretty easy um, at my school to switch. Like there's, I think, a couple people in my section who are going to switch today full-time in the fall and vice versa for day students. Like after your first year, it gets really flexible. But it is definitely nice having a distinct cohort. Um, and like my school specifically, the administration um, really struggles to do an effective job at including part-time students in programming and student organizations tend to not consider part-time students in programming (laughs) it's like well there's no evening students in the org well I wonder why because you plan everything from 2 to 3 p.m um that's so weird like it's really weird but at least it's not like there's a cohort like to deal with it we've like bonded over being left out yeah
0: (laughs) I mean I think I guess like most of our student org events are probably over lunch because that's the hour that everyone has free, but if they're not over lunch, they're like at night.
1: Yeah, same.
2: Well, that's that. And that's exactly the problem is because our classes for the first year are from 530 to 730. So if people do have events at night, um, like. Usually, we can't go to them. Um, so the best time for part-time students, like four to five is okay. Like most people are off work by four and can get to an event, not most, but some people. Um, but really, the weekends is like the best time for our schedules. Four thirty to five thirty is probably like the best time..
1: Yeah, I think the the earliest any like programmed events begins is 4 p.m um typically we have our meetings during lunch and there are a few orgs that do do night meetings but it's not as common Mm -hmm. Uh, it's usually like a lunch moment and then events in the evenings like we'll have a mixer a social something i'll be at like six or seven usually um and it just it goes as long as people are there for. Like, we had a mixer last night, and it began at 6. I didn't leave until, like, 9.15. Oh, so.
0: okay.
2: yeah. That's late.
0: That's past my bedtime.
2: Yeah. Oh, are you an early bedtime girly?
0: I'm not an early bedtime girly. I'm an early need-to-be-alone-and-decompressing <laughs>
2: <because I laughs> have-
1: Speaking of sleep, though, um, when are you sleeping? Because you're a gym girly. <laughs> you're a working early in school when are you sleeping what's what's?
2: Um, the- well I only do early morning workouts two days a week and I used to do it every day and that first semester and that was terrible for me like I was skipping my workout or oversleeping or just like exhausted all the time so now I just do I do an early workout on Thursday and Friday and then usually i go to bed between like 11 and midnight which my whole life i've been like an early morning person but going like not getting home until like 8 or 8:30 every night like has really like kind of shifted my schedule so now like i usually don't even eat dinner until 10 like it's so weird
1: oh man
2: and um But yeah, I'll I'll usually get, like, I I really do prioritize my sleep. Like, I'll get, like, a bad night would be, like, six hours. But, like, usually I'll get, like, seven hours of sleep. And then I sleep in, like, I try to sleep in one day a week. Yeah.
1: Something that I had to accept this semester, I was like, you know what? You, you are not inclined to be an early girly when you have so much shit going on
2: like
1: the way my life is set up right now is not giving early girly (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not gonna do it yeah Uh,
2: embracing is amazing it's
1: just what it is right now
2: I definitely um like law school really made me evaluate my priorities in life especially like part-time law school and generally like my family and friends is my number one priority so like on the weekends, if I have shit to do, like I'll. but like my friends are like doing something I'll like nine times out of 10, go see my friends. And I'm like, my schoolwork will get done when it gets done. And if I don't do one thing that is nice about a part-time program, I only have one class a day. So if I don't do one reading or like I don't do Monday's reading, like I'll be fine and I'll catch up when I catch up. And then like, I'll usually like after my friends and family is like my fitness. So I usually try to do my workouts before I study and then I'll, then I'll study and then I'll do my job. (laughs) But I feel like having a really clear, like hierarchy of this is what's important to me also helps me make decisions about how to spend my time too. So and that's, it's just helpful. And to-do lists is the other thing that I use for time management. Like if I have a, if I start to get overwhelmed with how much work I have, feel like I have to do, I'm just like, all right, write a to-do list and do like two things on it and you'll feel better. Like ever works every time.
1: <laughs> I completely agree with the to-do list. Yeah. It just makes me realize it's, it's not as much as I thought it was. It could still be a lot, but it's never as much as I thought
2: it was. Yeah. I would like to put on record that to this day, I might, this might bite me in the butt next year, but to this day, high school was harder. Undergrad was harder <laughs> than law school is. Like people make law school seem really scary. And I know people have different experiences, but if you do not need to have the most challenging experience of your life in law school that is not a necessity (laughs) it's you don't have to like one thing I really like about not being at a really good school after being at a really good school for undergrad um is that school is not my entire life (laughs) it's just part of my life And like, that was a culture shock. Like people there were rich as fuck, like all from like New York, California. So that was, that was tough. And sometimes I really like, will put this pressure on myself, comparing myself to people from undergrad who are like, in grad school at like these amazing schools or have like great jobs in the city are working for firms in like New York city, doing amazing things, traveling the world, getting Fulbright scholarships, like just really incredible people. And I'm like, I'm in the Midwest at a mediocre law school. And I just need to like, I feel that pressure all the time and I'm just have to remind myself for what like you're doing a really good job sweetie (laughs) (laughs) you're doing a good job so um I like hear people talk about like comparing themselves to other people in law school and for me I think it's actually my undergrad peers that I still feel that pressure with
1: interesting yeah my school is also for some reason like a pumper-outer of Fulbright scholars. Like, Mm -hmm. tons of people from my undergrad are, like, really invested in the Fulbright thing. And, like, what? Like, it's so random. It's so random. Okay, kind of on the the vein, going back in, the vein of, like, scheduling and, you know, prioritizing, knowing what's going on in your life, how you're going to get it all done. How do you maintain your social life?
2: Um, so, I... Um, in law school in the same city I went to high school in. And so I have like a couple friends from high school who are here. And I honestly did not make friends in law school until the very end of the first semester. And I was like, it was just such a terrible time because I was going through a breakup, thought I was never going to make friends in law school and finals. And then, so like, finally I made friends in law school, (laughs) so established and my best friends in law school, I said this in our little kiki at the beginning, but they're moving in next door to me, which is so exciting. Um, So basically I will make time in my social life by hanging out with them every night. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I would say, like I said earlier, I really do prioritize seeing my friends. and I will, I also climb, like that's one thing that I do. I started doing in January and climbing is like a really social, um, way to work out too. So I'll like go climb with like, one of my best friends, um, is a member of the same climbing gym. And so like, we'll go climb like usually once or twice a week. Um, and that's one way I'm like, okay, I'm working out and I'm getting some social time. Um, um, and usually when I do hang out with friends, like, it's like, we don't go, like, we're not like going out all the time. It's usually like hanging out at someone's house. Um, Like the other two weeks ago, we did like a board game night at my house, which was really fun. Um, And I forgot to record, but I was going to do it. We all made like drinks based on our jobs, because I think everyone there was a part-time student. Um, But... Yeah, I would just say, like, I will choose, like, to have social time over doing schoolwork.
1: Yeah, I feel like finding a balance is always reevaluating things, like, every month, every week. What am I going to trade off here? What am I going to do then? And it's like, I said this earlier. I hate accepting it. I hate accepting the change. I don't like to do it.
2: <laughs> yes. You have to be okay with it. That's
1: what like to work out perfectly. And
2: I'll say too, like, um, for instance, during finals week, like I I'll usually like this semester, this worked really well for me. I planned out my training schedule for my runs at the beginning of the semester. And so during April, like my runs are not going to be as intense. I'm not working out as many days because that's like prep for final exams. So like it is reevaluating, like certain times you're not going to be able to, you just can't do everything all the time. So it's like, you have to figure out what's going to be important. Like I will probably not be seeing friends very much for the end of April. Um, or if I am seeing friends, it's, it's going to be like studying together. So, and that's just, then that's okay for like two weeks, you know. But like generally I try to avoid um like, oh, I need to study. And I was like that in undergrad and in high school. Like I would prioritize school over social life a lot. And I'm glad I don't do that anymore.
0: Yeah. I also think like I have to reevaluate basically on a semester-by-semester semester schedule just because of how different my class schedule can be. Like this semester, I have basically all of my classes in the morning or at 1 p.m. And I have off Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. And typically, like most of 2 and my, actually all of 2L and last semester, the majority of my classes were at night. Just because of the kinds of classes I like to take, a, a lot of my classes happened from like 5 to 8 p.m. Okay, yeah.
1: Very afternoon-oriented this year. Like three out of the four days that I have class, I don't start until two. So my mornings are open, but then I have my externship.
2: Okay. okay. Yeah, and I know day students at my school, I think they do that too. Like, they'll have an externship and then just take, like, night classes or, like, not take classes on a certain day.
0: Yeah, that's what I did for my externship. Just kept days open. And that's kind yeah. of why I have Tuesdays and Thursdays open to do clinic work this semester. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's very interesting, like, how everybody does their classes because we... I think we talked about this before, but doctrinals at my school are four credits except for CRIM and they're three days a week. And then once you get past 1L, most classes are only one day a week or two days a week max. Mm -hmm. But it's more than likely that you'll have more two day a week classes than you will have one day a week classes.
0: Yeah, okay. At UNC... The default is two days a week, and then most of the seminars are only one day a week. And then you do have some doctrinal classes that are three days a week. If it really just depends on like how the professor feels about it. I know my antitrust professor had the option of doing one day a week and a three hour class. And she was like, I think everyone would hate me if I made you do that and I think (laughs) she's right (laughs) so yeah can just depend
1: yeah yeah Uh, okay well I think that's it guys yeah that's all for this week's episode of the in-laws make sure to follow us on instagram at the in-laws pod We post these full-length episodes every Wednesday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. So make sure to follow and rate the podcast through whichever streaming service you're listening on. Also make sure to follow Chameleon TikTok at live, laugh, laugh, Talk to you
0: next week. Bye. Bye.
1: Woo woo.